This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. If you're joining us for Christmas, we've been in a series called God With Us, and we've been going through the four descriptive names for Jesus found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and today we conclude with Prince of Peace. And before we do that, uh, I have to... Uh, no, that was jumped in the head right there. Uh, a little bit. You're going to get there in a second because uh, we have some follow-up from last week. If you weren't here last week, I showed a picture that I took at the landing of an eagle swooping down, catching a trout, and, and this service questioned my integrity <laughs> of the size of this trout. I guessed it somewhere between 16 and 18 inches, and so I asked the experts of our church with geometry and math uh, to do this. And Seth Murphy, thank you for this. He uh, put his, I think you call it a protractor. I don't know what exactly does this, but he estimates the fish between 12 to 14 inches. So between Seth and I, who thinks Seth is accurate with the size of this trout? Raise your hand. Who agree with me that it's more like 16, 17, 18 inches? <laughs> How many of you don't care? Let me just see your hand. Okay, that's all right. We're, I just had to follow up because I just, I felt threatened a little bit last week uh, by all that was going on. But then a, a members started sending me pictures of all the uh, eagles that they have caught capturing their prey. And this was my favorite one from Tammy Chase that was taken this week of an eagle nabbing and eating an armadillo. Okay. So I just want to say this. If you took a picture of an eagle eating an armadillo, you might be a redneck. I don't want to, I don't want to throw that out there, but uh, I didn't even know. Nothing screams our nation's majestic bird like uh, eating an armadillo. Uh, so thank you for all your pictures. We've straightened that out. Let's jump right into Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, think wisdom, Mighty God, think strength. Everlasting Father, and we'll talk a little bit about that today with the fatherly rule of Jesus. And today we're, we're focusing on Prince of Peace. And today we want to look at the fact that Jesus brings peace on earth, peace with God, peace with others, and peace of mind. For the mind and the heart that is racing during this season, we are praying as a church that you would find peace. And I know over the last... Um, Several months, we've been paying very close attention uh, to the war uh, in the Middle East, and we declared at the very beginning of that, as we read from Genesis chapter 12, this church uh, very clearly stands with Israel as part of the Abrahamic covenant. We believe those who bless Israel will be blessed, and those who curse Israel will be cursed. And we, if you've asked the question, will there ever be peace in the Middle East, the answer is yes. Yes, and we pick up in verse 7 of Isaiah 9, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We're speaking here of the millennial kingdom. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And we wanted to start here this morning. Jesus, our Prince of Peace, will bring peace to the earth when he returns to reign in the capital of Jerusalem for 1,000 years. And here's more truth. Believers will rule with him, and there will be no war. There will be no war. And if you've ever feared the future, this is why understanding what the Bible teaches about end times should bring great peace to you. Because we know how the story ends. 
I, I put this in a timeline, and I, this timeline is just for Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And because students of eschatology are going to look at this and go, you're missing so much detail. This is painful to see. But I, I know we don't have the rapture in there. We don't have the tribulation, the seals, the trumpets, the bowls. But this explains over thousands of years these two verses. And today, we, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, we believe that this was prophesied around 735 B.C. Today, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, as we just read in verse 6. And Jesus was born to die. He was born to die on a cross for you and for me, for your sins and for mine. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So today as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we long for the second coming of Christ. And don't look at 2,000 years, the church age that we live in right now, is that being exhaustive? And no one's saying this timeline is exhaustive. It's what your pastor's able to do in PowerPoint. Okay? Uh, but just this is how far now we've come, several thousand years from the prophecy we're reading today. But we believe, follower of Jesus, that Jesus is returning to earth again one day. I heard a preacher this week online say that Jesus has not returned yet because the church hasn't given enough money. The term we use for that is heresy. No one knows the day or the time. But we believe in the second coming of Christ and we don't put a timeline on it. This is just to explain that he is returning and he will establish a literal kingdom upon this earth and reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years and believers will rule with him. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 says, he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. The teaching team, we went golfing as we try to do at the end of every year and one of the members of our teaching team said, Ted, are we doing anything to prepare our people for the 2024 presidential election? And I said, we're preparing a series in Revelation. And it's called The End. And that's the best we can come up with for the presidential election. You're not really getting that, are you? Like, is he serious about that? Are they doing a... We are. We're planning eight weeks in the book of Revelation to give this comfort to us because we as believers are not called to fear the future. We know what is coming. Jesus brings peace on earth. We also know that Jesus brings peace with God. The Bible declares that the estimate of the loss in John 8, 44, we read, you belong to your father, the devil. This is who we are before Jesus. Enemies of God, Romans 5, 10 says. Ephesians 2, 3 says, we're children of wrath, of our father, the devil, and children of darkness. But Jesus... There's but one mediator between God and man. It's the person of Jesus. And some of you right now don't have peace in your life. And we may describe that as the peace of God. You don't have the peace of God because you've never had peace with God. And there's a big difference. You'll never experience the peace of God apart from peace with God. And that's our prayer for you this Christmas season. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified or declared righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that for those of you that this season is nothing but turmoil, and everywhere you go, it seems to be drama, 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 
And everywhere you go and everywhere you leave, you seem to leave just carnage behind you. You don't understand what is the brokenness, what is this lack of peace, that today would be the day. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, that you would confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, repent of your sins that you will be saved. We need this peace, this peace with God, because it brings us peace with others. The peace of God to pursue peace with others. And I, I love the Christmas cards we get. This is probably my favorite all-time Christmas card that I've seen floating around. Because <laughs> it clearly describes what a lot of us have tried to capture with children. I offered to take a family picture for someone out there today, but there was not cooperation. And I'm like, just let me do it, let me do it. And they're like, now's not the time. No, this is the perfect time. Today, I I wanted to name this whole message and do a whole message called How Not to Let One Family Member Ruin Your Christmas. (laughs) And then it was going to have this like twist, this plot twist twist in the message because I was going to encourage you not to be that one family member. (laughs) You're like, is it me? I just want to help you. It is. (laughs) It's you. It's you. You're a lot of work. You take a lot of energy. And I I pray that followers of Jesus leave this gathering today and leave our church and they go into their family gatherings as ambassadors of the gospel. That when you show up to a gathering and then long after this, this season and into the new year, wherever you show up at work or in meetings or at restaurants with friends, the word to describe you when you show up is peace. Peace, not turmoil, not anger, not frustration, Not just, oh, the chaos has arrived. Probably our all-time favorite Christmas movie. You know, don't be this guy. (laughs) Don't be needy. Clark said, can I refill your eggnog? Get you something to eat. Drive you out to the middle of nowhere. Leave you for dead. (laughs) Cousin Eddie said what? I know many of you can quote it. Nah, I'm doing just fine, Clark. We sing it this time of year. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me. Let it begin with me. Let me take responsibility for this. Where I don't have peace, what do I need to do about it? And for some of you, that peace starts today with peace with God. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, meaning it's not always possible, but as far as it depends on you, do your part. Live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. It's something we talk about often in this church, but personal responsibility, right? Peace in your relationships will begin with you taking personal responsibility for your heart, your mind, and your life, and not blaming other people. Amy and I pray this every single night before we fall asleep. We pray it for us. We pray it for our children. We pray it for, I know, members that are going through, and I know their stories. We will pray for specifically peace of heart and mind. Give this person peace of heart and mind because I I met with them this week and and there's just nothing settled in their life. Some of you, this Christmas is different because this is the first Christmas you're showing up to a gathering as a single because of the brokenness in a relationship. And we know the pain that comes with that and the heartache that comes with that. For others, it's it's how the children are celebrating at this house and then this house and that's just that turmoil and you don't have peace. There's no peace of heart or mind. So today we will close with this. For the mind that is racing, for the mind that can't turn off, 
Know this, Jesus offers peace today. Not in some distant future, but today. You can have peace with God and the peace of God and begin having peace with others. John Piper shared this a few years back. Anxiety, turmoil, racing thoughts, panic attacks, confusion, indecision, frustration, feelings of guilt, shame, regret. The heart can be like a restless sea of inner conflict, even if everything is peaceful on the outside because there's something else wrong. My mind and my heart is in conflict with itself, not because you don't like me or somebody wants to kill me or a snake is about to bite me. It's about me. I have to start there. Something is wrong with me. When you lay your head on the pillow at night, you know that. You don't have peace of mind, and you're trying to figure out how to get it. Duke University did a study years ago on this very subject, the peace of mind. They found eight factors that contribute greatly to anxiety and a lack of emotional wellness. So just as, I'm just going to give you the eight real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time with them, but just ask yourself the question, what is stealing your joy? What is, what is stealing your joy this season? And here's the list. Suspicion and resentment. There, you're going to go into a gathering with unresolved anger toward a family member or a friend. Living in the past. Some of you can't get over that mistake you made. You don't believe there's forgiveness for it. You don't believe you can move on from it. You're not asking Jesus to redeem your remaining days. You're living in the past. You're feeding your regrets. At this church, we say it all the time. Don't feed your regrets. Ask Jesus to redeem your remaining days. Take the forgiveness today that he offers. Number three, wasting time and energy fighting conditions you cannot change. It'll zap you of all emotional wellness. Checking out from the living world. When anxiety sets in, many of us will choose isolation. And we'll remove ourselves from people. And some of you today, you're gathering here with us to celebrate Christmas and you don't have a faith community. You don't have other believers in your life and you're kind of by yourself trying to process it. And the voices in your life right now, let's just be honest at work, the people you're seeking help from in life aren't the healthiest voices. You've chosen some pretty jaded people to walk with you through life. Plug into community, biblical community to help you. Don't check out from the living world. Number five, indulging in self-pity, that victim mentality. Everybody's against me. I'm always dealt the bad hand. Number six, Duke found no capacity for love, humor, compassion, and loyalty, and they talk about how this needs to be cultivated, but it's not something you've worked through. Some of you expect way too much of yourself. Some of you are going into a gathering. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you're that person that wants to make sure everyone is happy, and you can't do it. There's nothing more draining and more exhausting than being the center of a family trying to keep everybody happy. You can't do it. Don't expect too much of yourself. And number eight, you are the center of your world. It all revolves around you. They say self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness. Romans 8, 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. And there are many ways that you've tried but have led to death and destruction. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So let me just give you a couple quick things as we close out our gathering today and as we go to celebrate with family and friends. Maybe this one thing will help you. Peace of heart, peace of mind, peace with others. You'll never have peace of mind if you are constantly giving others a piece of your mind. (laughs) 
And I just want to encourage you, you can think something, this is going to, and usually husbands, when I share this at marriage conferences, are like, seriously, that's good. You don't have to say everything you think. You can have a thought and go, I'm not going to blurt that out. That's restraint. You can do that. And you don't have to give everybody a piece of your mind on everything that's going on. Be the ambassador for peace this season. Celebrate in your home. Be the ambassador of peace. Learn how to diffuse. Be a peacemaker because you have peace with God. It brings peace with others and it gives you peace of mind. And remember this, this is very important about peace. Peace is not the absence of troubles and conflict, but rather the comfort in knowing Jesus is always with you. Uh, You know I love southern gospel music. Uh, I'm thinking about in my retirement forming me up a little barbershop quartet. And uh, giving it a shot. I'm going to go to the auditions at Silver Dollar City. We're going to see. We're going to see what they say. Uh, But I love the song, It Is Finished. uh, Because this describes so perfectly people not understanding what the book actually says about how world events play out. So they live with this anxiety and fear. Some of you will know the words of this song, It Is Finished. Yet in my heart, the battle was raging. Not all prisoners of war have come home. These were battlefields of my own making. I didn't know that the war had been won. Then I heard that the king of the ages had fought all my battles for me. I'm sorry I'm speaking this. I should be singing it from the top of my lungs right now, but let's, we got to wrap up. No, thank you for your encouragement, but I'm going to read it anyway. You can't redeem these people that think I'm liars uh, from the trout last week. All right, so... And victory, victory was mine for the claiming. And now, praise his name, I am free. It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There will be no more war. It is finished. The end of the conflict. It is finished. And Jesus is Lord. And that's why we want each person who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day you repent of your sins and trust Jesus as your Savior. He died for you. It is finished, he declared. And the the battle that's raging in you, the anxiety in you, the turmoil in you, the broken relationships in you. Amy and I see people all around town all the time and and we we just know the turmoil in their life and, and we pray for them, but then we're like, does it have to be that hard? Are they making it harder than it needs to be? And that's true for some of you in your marriage and some of you in your family and some of you at work. You're making it harder than it needs to be. Jesus, your Prince of Peace, gives you peace now and forever. He is your comfort. Would you bow with me? As we pray, I'm just going to encourage those who have never trusted Jesus as Savior that today would be the day. You pray in your own words along with me as I pray. But repent of your sins and ask Jesus into your life to be your Savior. Father, I am grateful for this season where we reflect on the first coming of Christ and long for the second coming of Christ. We do not know when this timeline of the very end fully engages. We don't know when the rapture of the church will take place, but I pray it's soon. I pray it's soon. And I pray that everyone in this room is ready, is ready for that day, whether it's when they draw their last breath or the Lord Jesus returns for the church. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today they would repent of trying to be God in their own lives. They would confess the path they've been on, thinking they're right, 
neglecting your word, shaking their fist at you, and they would confess their sins. They would be specific in that prayer. The sins that lead to death and destruction, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, that today they would pray, declaring with their mouth Jesus is Lord, believing in their heart that he's been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. We pray for that salvation. We pray that many across this campus and online are giving their lives to Jesus today. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for all that uh, you continue to do in meeting needs of the families here. I know the turmoil, that, the stress that many uh, find themselves in, that, that today they would, they would begin praying for peace of heart and mind, trusting you, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. As we head into 2024 in the, the next week, uh, we look forward to all that you plan to do through this church. Uh, we have many, many plans, but you ultimately direct our steps, and we, we submit to that. Thank you for this season, and thank you for the warmth and the hospitality that this church has shown today to our guests. We pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus, and everyone agreed and said, amen. amen.